We, you know what? We're just pros. I don't know. We, we're going to talk about Netflix. We're going to talk about um, SRX, rest in peace, but IROC official coming back uh, for all those boomers out there that love, um, you know, standardized race cars. <laughs> It's Parker Klickerman, joined as always by Landon Castle here on the Money Lap Podcast, our podcast about all motorsports, or at Money Lap, as we like to say, the coolest stuff in motorsports. Landon, we're back! We're so back. Happy New Year. <laughs> yes, Happy New Year. Happy 2024 motorsports season already started. Lots going on out there. So what can you expect on today's show before we jump into the PR lap? And if you're new here, please subscribe. Leave us a comment. We'll talk more about that going forward. Um, and we have a lot more to talk about in terms of what we'd like you to do as our listeners. But if you're first time on this show, you want to know what you're about to listen to. PR lap is kind of what we talk about ourselves, my racing, Landon's racing, that sort of thing. Uh, we've got a full slate of NASCAR stuff, or as we call it, stock car land. Formula One. Tons of news in Formula One that we'll dive into. We've got a lot of global motorsports stuff that we want to get into. Uh, and we're going to end today's show with our 2024 bold predictions or stupid predictions. I haven't quite decided, but they're going to be something like that. That sounds like How's fun. my intro? Let's get into it. Okay. Let's, let's talk about let's ourselves first. Yeah, we do love doing that. We are race car drivers. That is a lot of fun. So the PR lap, um, essentially, it's like we promote ourselves. <laughs> I mentioned that we want to talk about some things we might want from you, the listeners, this year in 2024. So we started this back in May 2023. This is, we haven't even hit a full year, but we're calling this season two as we go into 24. And one of the things we did in the offseason was we did lives. We did five live shows of tons of guests, and we did it on YouTube Live. Well, what we asked everyone to do, subscribe to our YouTube. We now have more content than just our podcast going on that YouTube. So I want to make a pact with you, the listeners and you, the viewers. First of all, if you're viewing this on YouTube, please subscribe, hit the bell icon, leave a comment, let us know what you think of the content there. But because we're gonna be putting out more than just a podcast, I'm talking the React videos you've been seeing. We got Money Laps expanded form going on there. We've got other ideas that are coming online hopefully soon. Because of this, we would like you to help us grow that channel and grow our podcast. And therefore, we have a, basically a saying or a guideline at Money Lap of how we make content, and that is, if you make something, if you want to know if it's any good, think if you would send it to three friends. If you would send it to three friends, then it's worth posting. So we're asking you as the listeners or viewers, send our YouTube channel or this podcast to three friends. That's all it takes, three friends for free. Hey, no, I'm not, we're not going to do one of those things. Three friends that would like this podcast or our YouTube, and we'd really appreciate it. So that's my pact. And if you do that, we'll keep making all this stuff. How about that? And if you can't, if you can't find three friends... Let us know, and we'll see if we can help you find three friends. Or if you can't find three friends that you think the, the podcast and the content is worth sending to, then let us know what's wrong with the content, and we'll change it. And maybe help you find new friends. How about that? And help find new friends. <laughs> because, if, because if they don't like this podcast, then they're not our friends. Uh, one other pact <laughs> we're going to make with you is that we are going to try to have two guests per month on this podcast. Last year, we had kind of sporadically had some guests. Then we did a ton at the end of the year with the lives. We're going to aim to have two every month going forward. So we'll see if we can pull that off from around the motorsports world. That's not just NASCAR. That means Formula One, IndyCar, sports cars, you name it. We want to have them on this podcast and get 
to discussing all things motorsports, maybe track presidents, series, you know, presidents, team presidents, you name it. We want to have them on here. Um, so I think that's all the updates. I think that's the packs. Everything we've had to, to let everyone know that's going to be different in 2024. Yeah, I, I love that. I appreciate putting that together. I appreciate everybody's support. So like and subscribe, do that thing. Uh, don't forget our Instagram as well. I don't know if you mentioned that, the money lap. Mm, that's where a lot did. of our yeah. short form content. So we've been doing these reacts. We, I know you mentioned them. It's a lot of fun. There's just, we, we actually, even though we haven't been recording the last couple of weeks, we've been making a lot of content and strategizing for this year. So we're looking forward to it. Bam. Love it. And one of the things uh, that's going to be different for me this year is that I will be doing a, a little bit less racing. Last year I did 41 races between trucks and Xfinity. This year, just planning to do Xfinity in the big machine racing. Spike Light Coors, number 48 car, because some of our listeners out there may have seen, as we're recording this on Friday, January 12th, uh, that Stefan Parsons is going to be driving the number 75 for Henderson Motorsports in the truck series uh, this year, which is awesome um, for that race team and a little behind the curtain of you know what's gone on there the last couple of years between myself and the Hendersons. One, you know, I owe them probably the world because they gave me a ride when very few people, if anyone, would answer my call. Uh, they stuck by me through a lot of you know thin years, and in return, we were able to go win some great races and run up front, and it allowed me to get the opportunity at Big Machine Racing. But one of the things we as a team had talked about for probably the last five years is trying to find younger drivers and drivers maybe that could come in there and help elevate the program and sort of expand the program and allow that team to do more races, do more competitive races, that sort of thing. And so, uh, you know, it, it may look like a change in direction, but really this was the direction that we were, we were all hoping we'd find it at some point. Um, and so Stefan Parsons has taken over. I wishing them the best. I'll be there to help them and support them all along. And who knows, I might get some more shots in 75 in the future, but you know, now, I, that no races planned. That's a team that um, you've done a fantastic job with and have tons of respect for Henderson Motorsports for always sticking to their core fundamentals, knowing, you know, being the team that they want to be based in Tennessee, um, you know, using their, their house sponsorship, basically, um, and with Food Country, and, you know, really just growing at the pace they want to grow with because ultimately I think that has put the most quality product on the racetrack for you um, and for yep. them over the years. So Stefan's a good driver. He's going to do a great job. And you said it, you know, they have uh, supported that thing entirely through their, their business, Food Country USA, uh, and all yep. 500 plus employees of those, of those stores who have been hugely supportive of that program for the last couple of years. But it's... Uh, and I, I have to thank Don Henderson and Charlie Henderson for all the years I've been there. Chris Carrier, who will continue to be the crew chief and run that program. Uh, they're like family to me at this point. Like literally, you know, it, it's, it, was, uh, it was never a business transaction towards the end. It was just family going racing and some of the most fun racing I've ever done in my life. Um, but it's almost a little bit like gratifying in seeing them, you know, and I said this to Chris, and I said this to Don, I said, how cool is it that someone thinks we're, that, we're as good that they want to come here and drive, you know? And that wasn't mm -hmm. the case when I first arrived there in 2016, 2017. And it's been a program that's built up to that point, as you put it, sticking to their design of wanting to do quality over quantity and, you know, go to races they felt like they had a shot to win. Uh, it's gotten to the point where, you know, someone is out there saying, I want to go drive that truck. And so I'm very flattered in a lot of ways that that's where we got in that program. So 
wishing them best of luck. Going to be a lot of cool, or very, very cool to see how they do. Um, and I hope I'll be hanging around with them. So let's talk more about our podcast. We're at 133 five-star reviews on Apple Podcast as we enter 2024. How high do you think we could get? Remember when 100 was just the goal? What, what, what was your promise that you were going to do at 100? Oh, you were going to join Cameo. And I did. did you end up? I did join Cameo. You, yes, I'm you on did. it. You did? Okay. Yeah, I've done some okay. Cameos. I did, a, I did a couple legit ones that were you know just entirely random because I was on there. So I, I, I feel horrible. I felt I let a cameo slip the other day. Um, I just got busy, uh, and then I didn't have my notifications, and I let one expire. I feel I always feel bad when I do that, but jeez, cameo's fun. Jeez, well, you know what? We need some new goals. Uh, let's, let's aim for two hundred. Okay, on the reviews, and you got to do something. We'll time. revisit. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we'll revisit. You got to do something this time. Oh, so we I have to at, do something for two hundred. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you got to think about what you want to do at two hundred, and on. YouTube, we're just over 2,000 subscribers. Let's go, uh, by the end of the year, I don't know, 20,000. So, <laughs> Okay. We should be. If we Absolutely. That, if we hit that, we give away uh, a car. I don't know. We're not Oprah. Well, so. I know for a fact that uh, there are probably more people listening to this podcast right now than there are subscribers on our YouTube. So uh, there's, there's something needs to blend there. So if you're listening, make sure you like and subscribe. We're going to push that, get that going. Love it. And I was, we did just watch a very inspiring video about car salesmanship that made me think of the car <laughs> thing, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. We did have some reviews out there um, on Spotify. We're at 109 on Spotify. Same goal. We want to get to 200. Uh, it looks like Todd Gullery said, great. Keep them coming, professional, informative, and fun. Love that. Thank you for that. So. And there's a lot of comments on YouTube. We're not going to go through them all, but we see all your comments, and we're using those, especially on the Reacts, uh, to guide what Reacts we do next. So we're actually going to try to do those weekly, and we will uh, be doing one right after we get done with this podcast uh, that we saw in the comments. So keep keep commenting. Keep letting us know what you want to see. Hey, yeah, I, mean, I think – I saw well. No, I was I, I was kind of liking this this one comment. You didn't. I know you didn't want to read it, but it was oh. a comment from YouTube. Where did it go? Uh, from Allo fourteen eighty eight said it's a real podcast, engaging and having opinions about motorsports without throwing shade or subliminal criticism. You know, I appreciate that because sometimes I'm afraid that you know we can all be cynical in this world. Um, Allo just also asked. Um, they must be a racing enthusiast of all kinds because um, they want us to talk about world endurance championship a little bit more. So mm. uh, we should, you know, especially during, during, you know, endurance season when we get to Le Mans yep. and all that good stuff. So uh, real racing enthusiasts from all different levels. It's hard to tap into all that knowledge. If you are a racing enthusiast looking for high quality diecast and apparel though, Look no further than spoiler diecast. How about that first transition of the year, Parker? Let's go. Smooth it, as baby. butter. Let's go. <laughs> One of the fastest growing companies in the industry. What sets them apart? Let me tell you. At Spoiler Diecast, they pride themselves in exceptional service. All their orders shipped either same or next day, ensuring you get your hands on your favorite products in no time. And here's the best part. They offer free shipping on orders over $20. That's right. You can enjoy a smooth and affordable shipping experience with SpoilerDieCast.com. They've got over 800 unique products currently in stock. They boast one of the largest inventories in the industry. They're kind of, you know, NASCAR-focused, but we offer everything from 
F1, I think uh, IndyCar, dirt sprint cars, all kinds of stuff. So for as passionate racing fans like ourselves, uh, we're constantly growing our collection. Um, I know Arlo, my son, has a, about a 1,000 diecast cars. So SpoilerDieCast.com is the number one source for, for all the- of your diecast needs. We do love spoiler diecast. If you're seeing on YouTube right now, I'm holding up a diecast as we did during the uh, live shows. They also have apparel as well. Thank you to our friends at Spoiler Diecast for once again supporting this podcast in season two. They were one of our first partners, and they're sticking with us because of all of you out there listening who use those promo codes and go to the Spoiler Diecast for all your diecast needs. Love them. Thank you for coming on board. I liked also right there. Let's go smooth as butter. <laughs> That's kind of fun. I like that. <laughs> incorporate that. Let's actually talk about some some racing news because even though it is the off season, uh, what is coming down the pipeline right now, Parker? Yeah, so let's jump into the stock car world. A world we're very uh, well, we know really well. It's the best way to put it. <laughs> Big sponsorship news this week: Dollar Tree mm. and Family Dollar announced a partnership with Legacy Motor Club. But here's the kicker. 38 race partnership, not on one car, but across all three of their cars. So that's Eric Jones, who's a full-time competitor, John Hunter Nemechek, who's joining them this season as a full-time competitor, and then that's Jimmy Johnson, who'll be running a part-time schedule. Uh, It sounds like, from what I could see and gather, the races that were were announced, or at least uh, that we're put in the press release means that Jimmy Johnson could be doing more races than we've seen him do in the past, even maybe as many as hmm. 10. So we'll see. Um, a little yeah, that, inside baseball uh, on this coming about. What's that? Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Oh, well, just before uh, before we discuss it, just a little bit more facts as to how this came about. Rick Dreiling, Dreiling is yep. the CEO, uh, was the former CEO of Dollar General when they were in NASCAR. So... Maybe he, he had his experience with Dollar General and just said now that he's runs the other Dollar uh, conglomerate, he was like, we need to be back in NASCAR and made a big splash. I think this has to be one of the bigger sponsorship announcements. Three-year deal, probably you know upwards of $10 million a year. Um, it's got to be one of the bigger deals in the last two, three years that's been announced at this capacity. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, sorry. I'm walking over here earlier because I want to make sure we got that point in about – um, Rick Dryling, he has a really rich history in the sport and not entirely, you know, front and center, but he was the CEO at Dollar General, like you said, um, has been with several teams over the years, really has had his relationships in the sport have remained extremely strong even after Dollar General left the sport um, and has continued on in the sport. So, kind of know once i saw once i put all those pieces together to me that was no surprise um you know some some i think the the interesting thing is the 38 races um and another interesting note to me is that they are spreading it across all of their cars and drivers i guess or not all of them i I guess we don't know which one but it's obviously multiple so uh, that just tells you that the team has a really good relationship with the sponsorship it's not necessarily tied to a driver um and that's gonna that is a healthy classical race team sponsorship um in this modern day where we typically have sponsorships that have to be somewhat tied to a driver or something like that 
um, to see a race team really bring in the sponsor is is a big deal. Now, um, we lost each other. <laughs> you're, you're back. You're back. I am back. Okay, sorry. I should have keep talking there because I was cutting out. But um, we've also got the NASCAR got Netflix. Yeah, we've got. Can you hear me? I can hear you fine. Yeah, I, I don't know what was going on there, but we went low data. Maybe okay. Josh can clean this up, or it'll be fun to add in. Hey, 2024 start with a bang and connection issues. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> And we lost him again. I'm here. I'm just waiting for you to go to the next topic. <laughs> okay, so I'll I'll introduce the next topic. I thought you were doing it. <laughs> this is awesome. Well, I hey, was going to do it, and then I tripped over it because you showed up. We, you know what? We're just pros. I don't know. We we're gonna talk about Netflix. We're gonna talk about um, SRX, rest in peace. But IROC official coming back uh, for all those boomers out there that love, um, you know, standardized race cars. <laughs> And Thursday right, night racing. Let's start at the top of that. Let's start at the top of that. Sorry. Okay. I hope that somehow makes it this because it's hilarious. We've been doing this for almost a year, and now we we could barely do one episode. All right. The new Netflix show that was announced, Full Speed, coming out here soon. Basically, NASCAR's version of Drive to Survive uh, was filmed during the playoffs of last year and sort of into the playoffs. Um, and I was uh, – I was – I knew this was happening the entire time it was happening because I bumped into their cameras and their boom mics about 4,000 times in the garage. And any time I was doing pit reporting, if you saw a boom mic hanging over anyone's head or a, an errant camera or five, that was Netflix. So it was, uh, it was very well known it was happening. I think it could be really interesting. The trailer was awesome. So this could be, you know, I'm not expecting lightning in a bottle drive survive style, but I do believe you know, there is no larger distribution platform in the world right now than being on Netflix. You have to be on Netflix. Think about Suits and how they got reinvigorated. And even my girlfriend was watching the Golden Globes and there was a couple jokes made as, you know, people were handing out awards that had been on a, a show that got on Netflix and they became popular again. And they were like, man, mm -hmm. if only we were this popular when we could have won an award, right? So it's like, <laughs> th there's nothing quite like this. This could be huge. I hope at least all it does is expose a new, you know, large group of people to the idea that NASCAR is worth paying attention to. And I think that'd be a win. I, um, I am also excited. The trailer, if you haven't seen the trailer, um, I suppose you can find it on NASCAR's channels. Netflix's channels. It was on all over social media. If you haven't seen the trailer for this show, um, it had me ready to run through a brick wall. So I was excited about that. <laughs> so, but I want to bring up a quick topic that I'm and and just share with you what I'm interested in seeing out of this show. Um, Go. The storylines I'm interested in right now, but I don't, you know, I don't know every storyline just because I'm part of the industry. I don't know everything about everything, but you know, I know the people involved um, on a personal level. So it's not the storylines are interesting. But what I'm interested in to see how Netflix and Netflix's producers and storytellers, how they take NASCAR to the masses. How, you know, what is the, um, what is the message that they're trying to send to their audience about us, right? Because NASCAR didn't produce this themselves, right? NBC didn't mm. produce it. Um, the storyteller, what, what we know about the storytelling in this show is that, this is Netflix's show, and they brought in the best producers 
Um, you know, it's it's the best of the best producers and storytellers telling a story on the best of the best platform. Um, and so for me, it's like you're getting a chance to see what they think of us or what they think the the pop culture audience wants to see from NASCAR. That's what I'm interested in watching, um, and that's definitely what I'm tuning in for. I don't know if you share the same, Parker. That's a good point. And I know we chatted about this, but I'd totally forgotten how you brought that up. And it's it is cool because this will kind of tell you what they believe, you know, what the outside perception of a group that knows content, that knows the Netflix audience, which is basically all of America, uh, what they find interesting or find to be the stories mm-hmm. to tell and how to tell them about NASCAR. So that's actually really fascinating. So. You know, if they if it's something very flattering, awesome. If it's not, then we'll know what the perception is. Well, but I flattering think that is that is really cool. I well, I mean, flattering yeah. is what do they what do they decide to pick out, right? Uh, obviously, from the trailer, if you haven't seen it, it leans heavy in the idea of what I've always thought is the number one sell point of NASCAR, and that is forty three or sorry, now thirty six to forty cars, three by three, you know, ten rows deep at Daytona or Talladega. And the idea that going, you know, this is a close contact, full contact form of racing. Now, obviously, yeah. it's more than just that. But if you look at it in the sa- the way they sold it, it's like, They're okay, obviously yeah, going that that's way. That's the sell point. Yeah, yep. they're going that point. It's yep. dangerous. It is the highest form of racing in America. And, you know, it's still America's number one motorsport. And that's one of its biggest sell points is what differentiates, uh, differentiates it. I can't say that word now uh, from everything else. <laughs> I think one of the first things I texted you after the trailer was, um, you know, all thanks to Ryan Priest for taking one for the team for the Netflix show and and barrel rolling down the backstretch at Daytona um, to create the sickest highlight uh, and part of the Netflix trailer. So thank you, Priest, for that one. That he's his service has been duly noted (laughs) and we much appreciate it. Oh, it's going to be good. It's going to be interesting. I, I can't wait. The uh, IROC series is, has been announced as coming back. Ray Evernham and Rob Kaufman. Rob Kaufman, who used to be the uh, one of the investors slash co-owners of Mike Waltrip Racing, have formed a joint venture to acquire the iconic IROC brand, the International Race of Champions, uh, which I can't remember when it went away, but I'd say, what was that, 2008 maybe, right around the start of the yeah. re- right before the recession? Um, and you know, it sounds like they, they were very vague with their plans other than basically to bring a, uh, historic sort of, sort of event together this year Mm -hmm. that celebrates IROC. What happens after that? I don't know. Coincidentally, at the same, basically just what, two days later, the SRX series, which is the Superstar Racing Experience, which was very similar in design to the IROC series. Also, Ravenham was one of the initial um, advisors, I guess, and was initially mm-hmm. a part of the SRX series, announced mm-hmm. that they would be postponing their fourth season. So, coincidence? Wild. Or connected? What do we think? Um, you know, I don't... I They gotta be connected somehow. Um... I don't know. That's uh, that's interesting. But, you know, I, I think Ray's involvement in SRX to begin with, and then I don't really know. I'm not that familiar with Ray's exit from SRX. Um, but, you know, Rob Kaufman's involvement is very interesting. Uh, I love Rob. We've 
him and I have a good relationship. I, I haven't spoke to him in a while, but uh, we the last time I was with him, just quick little personal story and also self brag, uh, humble brag a little bit. Last time I was with Rob, he <laughs> let me drive. Um, he is a Shelby Cobra uh, 289. So like the you know I, I don't know what year that was, but I think 65 was the year the 289 won Le Mans. Um, he has a real one. Um, so this is like a million dollar car uh, that he let me drive. And that was a little nerve wracking, especially when he's like, no, come on, get after it. <laughs> um, I was like, no, I don't <laughs> so really want to get it. after it. I'm just enjoying driving. Yeah. 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 Uh, but this is a guy that loves racing and loves race cars. He has some of the most incredible cars. And so it is cool to see him behind this. And, you know, they, they, it seems like when SRX came out, they were trying, they, they present originally presented like they wanted to be the next IROC. Um, and I wonder if they weren't able to secure the branding back then for some reason. And then now they finally were, I don't know. I mean, this is not to presume this isn't the same as SRX, but Ray Evernham, I guess, uh, and his involvement. So I don't know. Yeah. Maybe we can get Rob on the show and talk about it or, or, or Ray. We should. And I actually, it's funny you bring that up. I have some personal stories like that with Rob. So I, I went to his car collection and got to sit in his GT40, which was pretty wild. He has the one that basically his, like the race Ford wants it. He was, he, it's yeah. the race winning one. And he's like, I'm not selling it. <laughs> I was like, no. that's awesome. They want it. And he was, he found, uh, he was restoring. He found the, the race winning. He found the race winning GT40 from 1967. I think mm, 66 or 67. Yeah, 67. 66 67 yeah it's the the black I'd one have, have he found it that. in a he found it like in a barn in england or something and restored it um into actual <laughs> you know the race winning form that it was in it's an unbelievable car so i would think that car is probably worth upwards of you know 20 million 30 million this day and age so going before on. we so. move on from this topic I made a, a kind of a sly little comment in our preview of this. Is is SRX and IROC, how, how can they get, you know, inter, get connected to the younger race fan audience? Or is it just, is it a product for the classic race fans that want to see their good old champions that they remember uh, back on track again because that's kind of what SRX turned into. That's what when when we were critical of SRX last year and said it's not a serious racing series. It might be entertaining, it might be cool, but it's not serious racing. Um, you know, is IROC going to be different than that? Are they going to have the actual current best of the best drivers as opposed to just celebrity racers? And it is a really good question because if you look at IROC through its generation, so if you go back to the initial Genesis when it was Trans Am cars and there was Porsche 911s for a while, it was drivers from around the globe, you know, coming and doing a sort of spec series, right, in a couple races. Then it morphed into its later, you know, its last iteration was very much just a NASCAR-centric design, right? It was a mm-hmm. that basically a stock car at NASCAR tracks as a support series, with drivers from around the country or around the world, but, you know, very NASCAR centric um, mm-hmm. in its last time period. And so, you know, I think SRX, once again, was really NASCAR centric. That was basically a stock car, a late model with an odd body going to short tracks, right? A lot of IndyCar drivers, though. I think, 
Yes, but uh, but think about the car and where they were going and that sort of thing. Right, I think right. if you it was want a to create true IROC for our generation and younger, you've got to step out of being like just another NASCAR-esque thing, right? It has to mm-hmm. be more than that. It needs to be something that people are like, yeah, they go to a road course. They go to a small short track. They go to a speedway. They go to, you know – a street course. It's four or five races over the course of a season that driver, you know, somehow you work it out that drivers can come from all over. Um, the cars, you know, whatever you have to do. With, I've seen, you know, Nitro Rallycross does basically an electric car that they developed, right? That makes a thousand horsepower. Um, that's just a, their car. There's no branding on it, right? Maybe that's the future mm-hmm. of IROC. So you can, there's no manufacturer loyalty issues that you've, run, you know, you would run into these days. I think those are the things. That have to happen. Otherwise, if it's just a late model stock car, once again, to me, it is, to your point, it is grasping at a nostalgia play, and it's not a, hey, we're going to make a serious international race of champions. Well, in my opinion, I I hope that IROC takes the nostalgia from the brand, right? And that gives them the nostalgic, you know, um, legitimacy but is forward thinking in what is the next IROC. And I hope that the first move of IROC isn't just to put, no offense, but Kenny Wallace and Kenny Schrader in cars at Berlin. <laughs> I hope that, I hope they, you know, develop a unique car and put, and can somehow get those champions. Now it's hard. It's going to be hard, you know, so uh, you got to pay these guys, right? They don't drive for free, but can yep. somehow attract nope. real champion, current champion race car drivers to show up and race against each other. Um, and maybe they, you know, now it's expensive to develop race cars, but maybe it's not just one race car. Maybe they have two different types of race car, an open wheel car that they have and a, and a, you know, a fender car, uh, whatever you want to call it. And they race on those different types of track, and that's how they can attract those guys. But that's my let's thought. think about this we're, we're, real quick. What it you know? Think about it this way: their their goal, like if you were to put like the blue sky, biggest thing they could do would be if I was sitting in a room right now with those guys, I'd be like, I'm going to write one thing on the top of this board, and it's going to be NASCAR Cup Series champion, F1 champion, IndyCar champion. What gets those three of this year to show up at IROC? If you can do that, that's it. That's your guiding light. Like, that's your guiding light. What would get those three in from 2023 to show up in the 2024 IROC? And if you can answer that and with full confidence and say this is what we're going to do that would do that, then you've won. Otherwise, (laughs) you know, I think it's somewhere in the middle, and that's always tough to win. One race. One, if IROC had one race <laughs> all season that had, mm-hmm. I'm going to say six, right? Those six drivers in it. If they just had one race all season that had Kyle Larson, Max Verstappen, Lewis Hamilton, Ryan Blaney, <laughs> Alex Pillow, you know what I mean? Like, and had those six drivers, yep, you yep. name them, you, you can figure out the other three. If they just had one race all season that had those drivers in it, that would be better than all ten races that SRX did last year, right? Or however many, <laughs> a thousand percent, eight, a thousand percent and, better. Yeah, maybe it's it could be one thing in the week that they do they do four or five races. I don't know, but to your point, that would be the coolest thing if you put that on YouTube live streamed around the world. It would do massive. So I, that's good luck. Hey, 
Ray. Call us if you need any help. Rob, we're wishing <laughs> – yeah, we're wishing you the best. Call us – call Money Lap Advisors at 1-88-233-GO-FAST. That's, that's where you'll find us. <laughs> Speaking of Kyle Larson, he had some interesting comments uh, in this offseason. Speaking of Kenny Wallace as well, on the Kenny Wallace show – he said something along the lines of, sitting here right now, I don't see myself going to 40 in NASCAR. Now, I want to do the full explanation because that's a very easy, clippable thing. to be like, he's not into it. He basically is like, look, I've been here for 11 years now, basically, full-time in the Cup Series. He's like, by that point, I'll be approaching you know two decades of racing in the Cup Series I hope I've accomplished yeah. what I want to accomplish. I love racing NASCAR and racing for the team that he gets to race with, which is the best, you know, one of the best teams in all of uh, motorsports. Um, but I think he was just very honest, which was cool. Um, you know, and, and he even he even went into some of the the blowback he gets from fans that are like, he doesn't like NASCAR. He's only here for the money, that sort of thing. He'd rather be racing dirt. And he's like, hey, look, if I didn't like this, I wouldn't be here anymore. And so <laughs> yeah. you know, he kind of puts that to bed. But – I know. I thought it was a cool admission, and I—I I mean, we've seen drivers go less. You know, Mark Martins are not as prevalent right now. One, I think it's because you have a, a generation that financially did really, really well very early on, and didn't need to keep doing it. And two, this stuff is really hard. And as the cars have become spec and that sort of stuff, you know, this is mm-hmm. or more similar. This is becoming you know really, really intense racing that I think. Uh, you know, as you get later on in your career, I think some, you know, if they've been successful and accomplished what they want to accomplish, why keep going? So, I, yeah, I, I want to make a couple of points on this. And you mentioned Mark Martin. Um, I'm going to just make a, a statement that may not be accurate, but it's just something a thought-provoking statement. Um, and I'm not suggesting that Mark was driving for the money by any means. But I, we've all probably heard those stories about, you know, basketball players, some of the most classic basketball players made you know make more money today than they did during their years in basketball michael jordan being one of them right um and i i think it's worth noting that you know a driver like mark martin because of the era that he was a driver the he he was you know spent the bulk of his career in the 90s and then the latter part of his career in the 2000s and that's when NASCAR was really building up and that's when he was really cashing in on on the equity the name that he had built through the nineties, a guy like Mark Martin, again, not to say that he was driving for the money, but he probably in his latest years of his career was making way more money than he was making really early (laughs) in his career. Right. Because of the timing of it. Oh, definitely. And I'll bet you the 50 year old Mark Martin racing in 2008, 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010 was making more money than the Mark Martin in 98, 99, which is our perception of Mark Martin's heyday. Right, like he had a second yep. heyday of his career, um, so that's a, one an interesting point to make on potentially what you know allowed him to continue to justify racing full time as long as he did. Other than the fact that he just is pure, uh, just as pure of a racer as they come. Um, now, one thing that I love about Kyle Larson's statements or appreciate about Kyle Larson's statements, um, and I'll talk compare to myself because I made my first NASCAR start weeks after I turned 18 years old. Um, and I was driving NASCAR race cars when I was 17 years old. So I had, I've had a NASCAR hard card since I was 17 years old. And by the time I was racing in the cup series, I made my first cup start when I was 20 years old. 
I knew that I didn't want to be racing full-time NASCAR after 40. And I had mm-hmm. been saying for a long time that 40 was my number. Um, and the reason was not just like, I'm going to be sick of it by them, but always, you know, like I've always wanted to have some kind of ambition beyond motorsports, right? Or not, maybe not just motorsports, but driving, whether it's I own a team or maybe it is beyond motorsports. Maybe I do something outside of the industry, um, by that point. And I always felt like 40, because I started so early, 40 was a, a time that I could be retired from driving by then and still be able to build you know, outside of racing. Um, and I'm one of those personalities that I don't ever see myself retiring on a beach, right? It's retiring is like retiring from this thing and moving on to the next. And so for Kyle, I can relate to what he's saying there, A, because of his age and he was started so young in NASCAR, but also, you know, he, and I'm, I'm kind of assuming that his, his racing is never going to stop. And I'm assuming that he's going to retire from racing NASCAR someday and then just continue dirt racing. So, 40 is a great time for him to retire from NASCAR and still have five or 10, however long he wants more years of racing dirt, right. And running sprint cars. Um, so if he just to just to think that he would race, continue to race NASCAR into his late forties and fifties, I don't think he probably wants to finish his actual driving career in NASCAR. He probably wants to finish his driving career back in sprint cars where he started, which is his, you know, his first love of racing. Yeah. I would like to say that he also, uh, as we speak, fills a lot of his free time with other racing. <laughs> he he just this past <laughs> week is racing late models all week, then did a last-minute sign-up for the Chili Bowl, tried to make that flip twice. Doesn't look like he's going to make it into the Chili Bowl because he's got to go back to his initial commitments, which is dirt late models, um, by Saturday. <laughs> but, I mean, this is a guy at the top of the game like top of the game here mm-hmm. who's choosing to spend endless days and nights racing around the country in stuff that's not even, you know, streamed half the sometimes. And, you know, I, I just think it's such a, I don't know if there's an, I, I tweeted this the other day. I don't know if there's an athlete in other sports that you could even remotely relate to this. The only thing I could think of would be like a golfer who happens to go play, you know, tournaments at golf mm-hmm. club, like, country clubs on their free time like around the country you know what i mean like it just it doesn't no one does this no one in football you're not (laughs) gonna have them showing up to peewee you know games in baseball that's not gonna happen basketball it's not happening they're not just playing pickup games anywhere they they go around it's like you know this is a unique thing to motorsports but also i know people give him a lot of credit like he'll race anything anywhere but when you think about it logistically like what he's doing like just this week alone I mean, it is it is unbelievable. So I I give that guy incredible credit. May this year, I think a lot of the world will see the talent that we've seen in NASCAR. That they they don't want to give him the credit for some reason outside NASCAR. I see often, but what he's about to do in IndyCar and the Indy 500, I, I hope, think over the next two years, people will see. I I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing that. I'm hoping for the best there. I hope that he doesn't, you know, I hope he takes a little bit of time off of dirt racing through April and May and can focus on, you know, his NASCAR and IndyCar opportunity there in the Indy 500. Yeah, it's going to be really cool. Let's dive into open wheel racing, starting with Formula Une, Formula One. Big news over in that world. Gunther Steiner, the team principal, 
of Haas <laughs> F1 team is out of there. Goodbye. <laughs> We've seen a team principal actually be removed. This is a massive moment. Sorry to all you Gunther Steiner fans. Sorry to Haas for having to go through this. But for two drivers who have watched team principals be in a moat, untouchable via anything at all other than the team actually shutting down, we for once have seen one removed. This is uh, this this is this is big moves. Now I should say, in Formula One, it has been a little more prevalent to see some team principal uh, changes. Obviously, you've seen it at Ferrari, which into, which was part of Sauber having some changes, of course. Um, and you'll continue, you know, you've seen some turnover at Alpine. Um, so it has happened, but I guess for us being connected to Haas, being more of an American team, to me, this was uh, unusual for an American team to make a move like this. Well, you know, the, uh, the, the rule is not, it's only a, a mark against the rule that team principals have the most secure job in the industry obviously nothing is there's no 100 percent success rate um it also is not entirely officially a mark against the rule because we don't know where he's going to land yet he could just end up landing at another team which would reinforce the rule that <laughs> that the team principal position um can basically fail out of the the last place team in right into another team principal position which we um, have seen time and time again in motorsports. Although I don't think that he's going to end up back in a team principal position in F1. Um, I think he's going to end up somewhere else. So we'll see where that. Um, mm, <laughs> wow, what a statement! He's going to end up somewhere else. I think he's going to end up. Yeah, I think wow. he's going to end up somewhere other than a team principal position. So we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on mm. that uh, in the coming days, weeks, months, whatever, however long it takes. But. Um, uh, one thing that I what what was interesting to me just on social media discourse, and this was a just an observation, and I don't know if it's a product of the F one tourist fans or just the more the basic level thinking of fan base. I, I don't really know, but like, first of all, did you see the banter between Gene Haas on social media and Gunther Steiner? Like this, the the no the it. Gene Haas's statements were not – he did not hold back when talking about why he let go of <laughs> Steiner. I don't, I don't know if you caught all that. But it just was flat out like – Oh, I didn't know. The, the, the performance was unacceptable, right? We're not going to be a 10th place team anymore. Um, and – Go to that. You know, Gunther was defensive, um, and that's fair enough. But what was interesting to me – what stood out to me is that the race fans in general did not – receive didn't we're not entirely supportive of gene's statements um about 10th being unacceptable i felt like the social media conversation that was on my algorithm was you know very much like well you need to give them more money right like the budget's not enough the team's not enough what did you expect you guys <laughs> I saw your own chassis yeah. your technical partners right and i you know i've Felt I actually sent you this meme that I made myself, which was the uh, the IQ brain uh, bell curve meme, and it was where you know the genius part of the meme is thinking, you know they just need to get better, right? They need to make a change, need to get better. <laughs> Tenth is unacceptable, and the lowest IQ part of the meme is the same thing that this is, you know they just need to get better. Tenth is unacceptable, and then the middle part of the meme is the frustrated 
person that's saying they need more money in the budget this and the budget that and they don't build their own chassis <laughs> and i just want to i want to present an argument in motorsports um that like hey yeah i mean you can just say more money more money more money but like for people that don't even know what that really means what do you mean right the team's the the team <laughs> spends a lot of money they have a huge budget they have great resources yep. they need to be better right period and mm-hmm. it's there's so much more to racing than just money it really it is a money driven sport but you still have human beings touching cars designing them working on them driving them um at the helm right in the uh in yep. the exam using the example of gunther steiner so um i don't I'm not saying I'm a fan or not a fan of Gunther Steiner. I'm not saying I'm supportive of not or not supportive of his exit, but um, I don't know for a guy like Gene Haas has started this team however long ago. And Gunther's been at the helm for that long and been through drivers and they've been through technical partnerships. They've been through it all. And they've been a 10th place team the whole time. I don't, I, it's time to make a change. Do it. Time to make a change. You know, what I saw that was funny, speaking of the social media discussion, was the term you I saw some people being like, You lost your most remarkable asset in the team principal. And I was like, Time out. Time out. <laughs> oh my gosh. If I'm an owner and my team principal is marketable, then I'm firing him <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> like, that, that's sorry. his most valuable asset. <laughs> not, yeah. No. That's his most valuable asset. You're out of here. Because I don't think so. You know, your boy. No, I thought it was the most ridiculous statement. I was like, come on, you're watching too much Drive Survive. Yes, he made a book. Yes, I have the book yep. right in this room, actually, right now. I've got yep. to read it. Uh, Surviving to Drive. I haven't read it yet. But um, I just – I just to me, that was the prototypical tourist, motorsport tourist, has only watched Drive Survive thinking. And I was like, come on. That would, wor- that would work on your meme at the bottom, <laughs> on the left. <laughs> there you go. Let's uh, let's move on into some more F1 stuff. Basically, there was a uh, photo of the incoming 2026 rule set versus the current F1 cars, and it looks like a little bit more bodywork around the cars. Now, they are going to be smaller, which is a huge win. Any reduction of size from where F1 cars currently are, to me, is a massive win. When you look at early 2000s F1 car size to what they've become now, it looks like the current ones ate three of the old ones, and suddenly <laughs> this is the size we got. So that part is great, but the bodywork around them, I feel like, and we'll, we'll probably, if you're on YouTube, maybe we, Josh can throw up an uh, image here, but I think, to me, the issue I always have with, with Oatmeal series going towards this more bodywork, which sometimes can be promote a little bit more contact or that sort of thing is like IndyCar tried it and all it does to me is it lose you know they did a little bit of it for the safety on the ovals which i think it helped but for the road courses and such a lot of times i saw where it just took away the look of an oatmeal car you didn't get any more contact and therefore mm-hmm. it's kind of like what's the point there's just all this extra bits it's, that fall off the car all the time they touch each other it's an identity loss for me i don't i you know i a Formula One car, an open wheel car specifically, um, or in general, I guess. It's Formula One car specifically because that's what we're talking about right now. Just should have just a couple main components, right? Two wings, two side pods, four tires. Like, that's it. As simple as possible. I Now, granted, a Formula One can have all the technology in the world, right? 
but the the yep. the car itself should just and maybe I'm reminiscing on this classic early '90s Formula One car that we know that we grew up on and we loved, right? Where they just were mm-hmm. two wings and two side pods, right? Um, and and a thousand horsepower. <laughs> um, I just <laughs> I, I saw this picture of this new Formula One car coming, and it had additional bodywork, and it goes out of the way out to the tires on the sides, and you know the front wing is a little bit just still kind of chunky like last year's at least from an overhead view and i was like man it almost looked like a formula e car from that view and i'm like i don't i don't like that i now i will say i will take a smaller formula one car over a big one um yeah regardless of the bodywork but um but yeah i just i i want to see less bodywork on those things but i'm glad it's smaller did you use your term? Well, you didn't use your term. <laughs> you you texted me. You're like, uh, I don't think this makes any sense because oatmeal designs should be hyper dangerous if the cars shoot in outer space oh. if they make contact. <laughs> God, darn it! I missed it. I blew because I buried the because, lead because I'm, contact. <laughs> yeah, because contact in F one is illegal anyway. So might as well just yeah. Like, shoot okay, okay. Let me sorry. <laughs> say that i didn't even get into the the real point of this when we texted about this and when we said let's add this to the show so the last part about my bodywork thing is that what do we need bodywork for on an f1 car anyways contact's illegal you can't do it right yep. so because yep. contact is illegal illegal they will make they will they will kick you out of the race if you make contact then you might as well just make the cars dangerous and open wheel to where if they make contact just send the driver into outer space who cares it's illegal. <laughs> he's, going, he's going right to jail anyways. <laughs> so so no body work on F1 cars. It should Set just be big tires. See you later. Two wings. Two wings, big <laughs> tires. Keep the driver safe somehow and give it a 1,000 horsepower and let it race. Oh, my God. Don't worry, though. <laughs> I have got your fashion needs sorted here in 2024, Landon. This is not an ad, Williams by the way. Racing has announced <laughs> this is not an ad. No, a new licensing deal. With Abercrombie and Fitch and Hollister, with a handful of products now being sold in store and online. Go get your Williams, Abercrombie and Fitch, Hollister. I don't know. I don't care anymore. Wow, that was really something. It's not an ad read. This it's not an ad read, Parker. It's nope. just the F one top signal of the week. Um, of the and week. it is a it is a collaboration between Abercrombie and Hollister and F one. Now NASCAR has done this already. Which NASCAR yes. has been yep. in the street style, you know, in the uh, in the fashion world for quite a while. It has been a you will if you go to New York or LA, you will see a lot of people street styled with NASCAR classic, authentic NASCAR gear. If you go to thrift shops in LA, uh, there's a lot of NASCAR gear that's overpriced. Um, everywhere. So well, yeah, it's everywhere. To that point I was in the lower east, I was in the lower east side just a couple weeks ago at a bar called Ray's. It had a bunch of old NASCAR memorabilia in it, which is really cool. Um, but not one, but twice I saw girls in NASCAR jackets. And one had this Miller Lite Rusty Wallace jacket on. So I was there with my <laughs> girlfriend, for all you listening out there. She saw me do this. I went up to her and I was like, I have to ask this girl. Like, is she a NASCAR fan or whatever? She actually goes, I know what NASCAR is, but no, I definitely don't watch it. <laughs> like, well, okay. the, the she, NASCAR collab she was probably that you like 26. need. <laughs> the NASCAR yep. collab that you need is the NASCAR and Crocs collab. And this is also not an ad, and oh I'm my not God. getting paid. But I did order 
the NASCAR Crocs with a spoiler on the back. It has a wing on the back. So I got the high, the high downforce wow. version. Um, they have sport mode and high downforce mode. Well, actually, no. I think it's high downforce mode and low downforce mode. So I, I, so I haven't gotten them yet. You, I think I, they come in the mail soon. But I, I suppose you can flip the thing forward and then the wing, and then it's just low downforce <laughs> mode. So we'll see. I'll let you know yeah, you when get I get them. Mode versus road course. Yeah. I'll do a review. Please. And, uh, I'll let you know that. what the aero balance is like. Yeah, if you want to go on the Money Lab YouTube for Croc reviews, just, just when you wear that, make sure you're in stained sweatpants and getting out of a minivan that has McDonald's fries everywhere. And if that works, if that's the, the image that <laughs> you have around you, then I'll let them go. So I should say also uh, I do own one of those Abercrombie NASCAR shirts because my girlfriend got it for me for Christmas. So I've done a little shopping at Abercrombie. Kind of making a comeback, by the way, without their brand on it. Really good stuff. Uh, but I'm not sure how well their F1 stuff's going to do. So we'll see. Let's move into global motorsports and the biggest race happening right now that isn't the Chili Bowl, uh, but globally that's happening, is the Dakar Rally. They are through five stages into stage six. And just a couple shout-outs. If you've been keeping up with it, you can watch it all over YouTube, basically. So Dakar Rally itself posts highlights on their YouTube the Motorsports and NBC channel has highlights. Uh, it's also on Mav TV, and there's highlights on Peacock. So it's all over the place. There's no excuse not to check it out. Um, but I'd like to give shout-outs to Americans doing well. And once again, Ricky Brayback, the American who uh, rides for Honda in the bikes, is currently in third, only five minutes behind the leader. So pretty cool. He's close. He has won it before but uh you know he's having a great rally so far it's early days though remember it goes about 14 days two weeks they have a 48 hour marathon stage in there it's gonna be wild and then just in the cars uh the most i don't even know how to describe him in any way other than just like the iron man of (laughs) off-road racing these days sebastian loeb leads right now i he's incredible i don't you know his world rally record is insane the guy is just unbelievably fast. He's like the Fernando Alonso of everything off the tarmac. Um, he'll never <laughs> stop. He's currently a lead right now over Carlos Sainz. So we'll see what happens. But check it out. It's uh, You can c- check out all the highlights. There's too much to discuss and way too much for us even to describe on this podcast. But yeah, we are I mean, paying attention. Ju- so go I mean, shout out, to, shout out to Carlos Sainz. Uh, that, I mean, that's pretty cool. A little <laughs> off-season <laughs> rally. And then also, uh, you know, running third right now for Team Audi is Matthias Ekstrom, who has a NASCAR well, start, wait. actually. Do you think – wait, you know that's you know that's Carlos Sainz's dad. That's the original Carlos Sainz. The OG. <laughs> the OG. <laughs> okay. Wow. Good one, Landon. <laughs> so give me a – Wow. <laughs> I knew what you were thinking. Gosh darn it. I knew what you were thinking. I was like, no, that's not the him. moment you just the moment you just said that, I instantly it just came back to me that um that who that was. But um okay, so give me credit. Hey, we know for, who's not been for, watching the highlights and I have not been well no, I'm looking at him right now. I'm just looking at the highlights right now. Gosh. <laughs> What a loser. It's okay. Uh, it's a lot to keep up with. How about Matias Extra? I wouldn't know. Here's the thing. (laughs) P3. Speaking of, by the way, speaking of our buddy Rob Kaufman, he loved the coverage of the Dakar Rally on NBC Sports, which I used to host for a couple years. And so he would always talk to me about the Dakar Rally. I would not know nearly what I know now uh, if I didn't have to host it because one thing happened to that rally that really changed it for me, and that is when they left Africa because of the security issues they had. 
they went to South America, and I will be honest, I lost some sort of, you know, I lost my infatuation with it because I just felt like Africa seemed so crazy to do a race through. <laughs> Since hosting it, it went when I started hosting, it went to Saudi Arabia, and I would say the the imagery was so close to Africa and just so wild out there in the desert and some of the the, the you know the the basically the landmarks around them that they go through and just these vast open deserts with huge rock formations um, that got me re you know reinvigorated for the Dakar. So I I uh, I find it okay for those that weren't so into it. Let's talk about the Baby weirdest Landon. news of the week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the one. Maybe <laughs> you need an AI team representative in your life because we're just going to continue doing the <laughs> the uh, the promo ad reads here. Mahindra Formula E Formula E team this week announced that they were creating an AI team ambassador um, that looks to be a very a uh, pretty young girl named Ava Beyond Reality. The comments and the blowback from this were worth the price of admission on Twitter. Um, some of the comments <laughs> being, you you wouldn't hire, you know, basically it's instead of actually hiring a woman, you just created a fake one. Um, <laughs> that sort of thing. I, AI representative is... in general, AI influencer makes no sense to me. I'm not going to lie. I just I won't get on board with this. And yeah, so here we are with the AI team ambassadors showing up. They've now since deleted it and apologized because they say they nurture diversity, inclusion, and innovation is at the heart of the <laughs> racing. So, so of course, this is the kind <laughs> of stuff that happens when uh, when you're in a hype cycle, right? We see it crypto. Right, I can tell you firsthand. Yep. Um, <laughs> what kind of hype cycle stuff happens within? But I think we're going through an AI hype cycle, and when the social media team gets their hands on some AI hype cycle technology that they they didn't completely think through the tone of it all, um, all kinds of good stuff ensues. So. Shout out to Mahindra for being a forward-thinking team and trying new things, creative things, um, and you know, not always getting it right. But I don't hate. I don't. I'm and... not like. I, I don't feel like I'm uh, going to really get super interested in an AI team ambassador necessarily. But hey, if if whatever AI tools and things you do provide better content and fill me in in better ways and help me learn more about your team, um, then why not? Although, yeah, they just kind of missed it here. They missed it here just a little bit. They missed it with um, this one. This made no sense. Been, and I, you, yeah. you, I love how you put that. I, I like how you put hype cycle because that to me is exactly what this This is like, oh, we need AI. Okay, here you go. <laughs> it's like, no, that's not it. Yeah. I do agree if they were creating better, more content or whatever, then – and AI allowed that, and it was more insight into the Formula E world or how they build the cars or that sort of thing, or even just the technology they use to win races. Is AI utilized? I don't know. That's cool mm -hmm. to me. That's fine. That's all part of it. But, yeah, the AI team ambassador influencer, not it. You said they're forward thinking, but this time they had to backtrack. But um, <laughs> Okay. I'm all right. Keep it rolling. <laughs> Good news out there indycar and iRacing have come back together announcing a multi-year licensing agreement if you remember just i don't know a year ago basically 
or not even, they announced that they were no longer together because iRacing had or IndyCar had signed a deal with Motorsport Games, which has now gone under. Uh, and so they're back with to their rightful home at iRacing. And um, I like that. The Indy 500 and iRacing is one of my favorite events I've ever done. So mm. Josh, by the way, would like it to be known that Motorsport Games is truly out of the game. But <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sorry to anybody that sorry to anybody that bought Motorsports Game stock when it was at a two billion dollar valuation, or whatever. <laughs> the uh, the executive team thanks you for your service once again. <laughs> yeah, uh, <sighs> and some, anyone who had secondaries before that. So speaking of iRacing, the Coke Series returns. Well, the team of the eRacer once again, new formats. They've got heat and sprint races on there, a bonus points and playoffs, $350,000 prize pool, the largest, most lucrative sim racing uh, tournament in all uh, and series in all of American motorsports. So pretty cool to see that coming back. We will have a team. We don't know who our drivers are yet. Don't ask us. It's a negotiation. We mentioned it early. The Chili Bowl is going on right now. Kyle Larson already out. He's gonna have to go. He would have to go through Alphabet Soup, and he basically uh, won't be able to do it with his commitments that he has elsewhere. You know what I find tough, Landon? Speaking of the Chili Bowl, watching it live, watching it at all. <laughs> I don't know why, but I just feel like the biggest event in America right now should just be easier. Now I get flow and like streaming and all that stuff. And I love that for 99% of the things. But it's the same reason the Daytona 500 is on network television, not cable. It's your biggest event to bring in new people. The Indy 500 is on network television, not cable. Mm -hmm. The Daytona 500 and the Indy 500 will not be on streaming anytime soon, if knock on wood. But I just, I do not see that happening because these are the events that you wanna give the easiest access to a large audience to have the opportunity to see this so that they then get so into it, they'll go and buy their subscription to when your other races are happening, your other events. The mm -hmm. Chili Bowl consistently finds itself in just a very odd arrangement, whether it's through flow or streaming, then it was on you know offshoot channels, and then I think one time they Facebook lived a little bit of it, but I just feel like it could be easier to consume this event what do you think um a hundred percent and we talk about this every year so first off um i'm gonna make a we'll make a fun point and then i'll make a serious point and then we can keep moving on with the show so the the fun point i want to make is over under let's set it now and then we can talk about this next week on the show what is the time of green flag in the eastern time zone what is the time <laughs> of green flag of the chili bowl saturday night I'm thinking. Is it got a eleven twelve fourteen p.m. Eastern? No, I bet it's later than. Oh, that. Oh, you think that early? Yeah, I was gonna say that's probably, that's well, probably low end. I would say the over under should be midnight. Is it before or after midnight? midnight? Yeah. On the midnight. East coast, East coast over <laughs> under. Okay, we'll yep. uh, we'll revisit. Uh, like and subscribe. Leave a comment on what you think over <laughs> under at midnight Eastern for the green flag, the drop of the green, the leader crossing the line, taking the green. Yep. Um, the serious note that I do want to point, because I we are very critical of the Chili Bowl. I love the Chili Bowl. I love dirt racing. I love open wheel racing. It is the most important dirt race of the year. Um, 
and we're very critical of the seemingly lack of progress that that event has made despite the community wanting it to be so big right like the team the, yep. the teams the drivers uh the superstars commitment to the event how many nascar and indycar superstars have shown commitment dirt racers that have moved on to other racing professions always come back to that event there's just such a huge motorsports commitment to that event and it's like they despite themselves they cannot find a way to reach a bigger audience um <laughs> to the point where you almost wonder do they want to maybe they don't want to so i want to make a point and that is it has been in the same promotership ownership for a long time right and yep, yep. sometimes you know for those types of businesses because that's what the chili bowl is it's a business right for those types of businesses change is difficult right like finding that next whether it's generation or next big thing that's going to take it to the next level is a difficult thing to do. Um, and I would imagine that, you know, Emmett Hahn, who's the, who runs the show there. Um, you know, it's, it's, I, I don't know what he's faced with or what, um, what decisions he's faced with. Um, but I, yeah. I think that uh, it, I think that when you have an event that's just been run a certain way for so long and has organically grown, right? That's probably a huge reason for why it is big, is is what it is. Um, still needs some kind of big change to uh, to push it to the next level. That's a very eloquent way to put it. I just believe I you know I can think to they had Dave Despain there from when he had his show on Mav TV. And, you know, the eyes I could have brought in. It just seems like there's a huge opportunity there. And I, we both know that there is people that have tried to acquire that event who have tried mm -hmm. to, you know, maybe been involved in trying to bring a new thought process to that. But, you know what, maybe, you know, I will give Emmett and those, the crew that runs it, you know, a little bit of credit. Maybe the what they've done, right, where they've kept it at this, like, where it is this mystique and this little bit of just like, Oh yeah, it's happening right now. And there's mm -hmm. all these people here. And if you want to be in the know, you got to like be in the know, you know, maybe there's a secret sauce there. I don't know. Cause I'm, I'm not be. convinced always at the, you know, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to say that it has to be on network television or anything like that, or it has to be live streamed for free on YouTube for all, you know, the days that it's going on. I just, you know, my outside perspective is like, I just wish it was easier in that sense. Right. Mm -hmm. It was just like one thing. This is easy. Boom, boom, boom. And Dirt so racing many people in general, it, you share it with your friends and it was so easy, but it's just not that way. Dirt racing in general. So, I, I, I think if you wanted to oversimplify the challenge of dirt racing's scalability in terms of audience is that dirt tracks are hard to predict. Right. And they've been making dirt tracks for a long time. Yeah. They've been prepping them for a long time. Um, and dirt track racing is hard to predict. And if you put, a dirt track prep team under the gun for a network start time deadline that they have to throw the green flag at nine Oh one and 22 seconds PM. Um, if you mm. put a dirt track prep team under the gun like that, you run a risk of the track, you losing the quality of the race. Right. And yeah. I, if I had to yep. oversimplify, um, you know, not just the Chili Bulls challenges, but all of dirt racing's challenges in general. 
Um, I would think that that's it. The one thing I will say that the Chili Bowl is good at, that, that sh the Chili Bowl should be able to do over any other dirt race, is the fact that it's indoors and they use the same dirt every year, right? Like, they know that track better than mm. any dirt prep team knows any dirt track in the country. And they should be able to... Th th so I would love to see just that one thing happen, right? I would love to see just one thing happen at the Chili Bowl, and that is they be able to execute the live broadcast on network television of the Chili Bowl at 8 p.m. on a Saturday night, <laughs> right? That's all I want to yeah, see. that'd be badass. That one thing. Or if everything else stays lives, the same. But I don't know. <laughs> if everything else stays the same, <laughs> yep. I want to see the Chili Bowl get a shot at racing on ESPN or 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 Fox or NBC. Oh, actually, that's way uh, more. Yeah. You yep. know what I mean? Like, one time, at a, mm -hmm. a, you yep. know, before my kids go to bed. Um, and they pull it off. <laughs> I like it. Well, maybe it can be a prediction of when that will happen in the future because we've reached the time of this show. 2052. Make our 2020 – yeah, 2052. <laughs> our 2024 <laughs> predictions. We said these may be bold or just stupid and probably somewhere in the middle. So, Landon, the way we've come up with this is just a couple you questions. Guys that you have to you guys have listed a lot of predictions. We don't have time for all these predictions. Well, these aren't a lot. These are not a lot. Okay. You can go quickly. All right, so we're going to start with champions. We're just going to predict the champion of these series here on the Money Lap podcast for 2024. So we'll start with the NASCAR Cup Series. I'll go first here. The NASCAR Cup Series, Denny Hamlin, it's his year until it isn't, <laughs> and it still is his year. So Oh, I love it. Uh, Xfinity. Xfinity's easy for me. Uh, it's Parker Kligerman, driver of the number 48 Big Machine Racing Chevy uh, for Spike Blake Coors. Trucks, that is Corey Heim. He will be your champion in trucks in 2024. There you go. Then we'll move into the next series. Give me your, your three there. Uh, can I go for Blaney two in a row? <laughs> no. You know what? Sure. William Byron. William Byron's my champ. <laughs> People just jumped out of their seats here. <laughs> William Byron is no. my champion. William Byron is my champion. Uh, my Xfinity champion is going to be Austin Hill, if not okay. Parker Clickerman. No, uh, I'm, I'm not offended my, in a little bit. <laughs> my well, I had to do something different than you because you picked yourself. So that's no, I don't. Yeah, give, give the listeners somebody else to listen to. Uh, truck champion. Ben Rhodes. Um, again, I'm just too big of a fan. <laughs> do I get to go? Do I get to lead off with Formula One? Yeah, lead it off. This is a hard. Max one. Verstappen. <laughs> Wait, who's gonna finish Damn second it. in Formula One points? <laughs> Formula One Whoever points. Whoever drives the second Red Bull car. Um, yeah. <laughs> It's like a it's like a joke it writes itself. Oh man. I'm gonna go Formula One. What can I do? What would be the odds? Josh, wait, we need odds on this. What if I chose it it all it depends is who's the second fastest car that could possibly find a reason that Max Verstappen had so many issues that they were the <laughs> second fastest car and Sergio Perez and had and was inflicted the same issues that Max Verstappen had because Red Bull got a bad batch of seals in their cylinder walls um, <laughs> for the <laughs> entire season. So Charles Leclerc, 
<laughs> there you go. Oh, there you go. Or Lewis Hamilton. That would be your two. Yeah. Oh, he found me the odds. Hold on. What are the odds? Hold on. Well, I can't expand this, Josh. What am I supposed to do here? For those oh my gosh, you have listen, to you have to bet take... three hundred and seventy dollars to win a hundred if you put money on Max no way. Yeah. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> oh my god. I can't read it, it's so small. Oh my gosh. Wait a second. Twenty two hundred to one for Charles Leclerc? I like that bet. If Ferrari were to get anything together here, I'm taking it. Yeah, to put me Charles Leclerc. Champion in F1. 2,201. <laughs> I'm taking it. Okay. Yeah, great Let's odds. move on. <laughs> great odds. Uh, they have Lando Norris, which I don't know how McLaren – I mean, if McLaren continues, I guess, but I don't know. I just see – I don't see that happening. So, best rookie in the Cup Series. We're just going to do Cup and F1. Uh, best rookie in the Cup Series. I have Zane Smith. I thought best rookie you was just look all, up all motor- the rookies. Well, I thought it was going to be all motorsports, and I was I was going to say Kyle Larson, Indy oh. 500. So, oh, that's a good one. Damn. Right, well, I'll stick with Smith. He'll do big stuff. Also, I don't know all the rookies in Cup. Who are they? <laughs> I had to look it up. <laughs> you got Zane Smith, Carson Hosevar. Uh, who else? Is John Hunter? No, he's not a, no, he's not a rookie. He's Sorry, not a rookie. Um <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's like, wait, is he a rookie? Wow, this podcast—is it we just are Zane and Carson? Most knowledgeable people in all of motorsports. No, you know Carson. Um, I, I think Carson. Oh man, you know what? Carson versus Zane for Rookie of the Year will be a nice little. That'll be a good battle. Josh Barry. Josh Barry. That's there it who is. We're I knew it. I knew it. I was. Thank you, Josh. Carson. Then being in the like, seventy-seven. There's, there's another one. What car is Zane going to be in? The the Trackhouse car. How many races? Seventy. The whole thing. Yeah, seventy-one. Yeah, he's the whole time. He's full time. Yeah, it's a track house spire combo. Basically, it's run out of spire, but track Wait, house so Zane, people on it. Zane and Carson will be running out of the same shop. Yeah, it's equal cars. Yeah. yeah oh yeah, that's gonna be a, that'll be a good matchup. I'm taking Carson. You can have Zane. We'll we'll follow that. I got Carson. All right, I like it. Um, moving on from that one. This is a general motorsports. Who underperforms compared to their expectations in motorsports? It could be a driver, a team, whatever. Um, I'm gonna. I'm just absolutely um, stream sniping Josh here because he's typing in the notes. Stuart Haas Racing. All right. <laughs> well, what's what was their expectation? You're just saying that they, they're taking a step. This is going to be a tough year for them. I think it's I think it's going to be a tough for, year for them. And your next point is what team takes a continued step yeah. backward in cup. So I suppose I'm I'm doubling up on that. And Josh, thanks for the assist. Yeah. Um, but well, actually, yeah, I, I think cup. It should have just been any racing. But that's fine. We'll take cup. Um, <laughs> I I got one for you that people aren't thinking mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the McLaren IndyCar team. I feel like they have could, they're at the point here now, three cars, three talented race car drivers. Not a tremendous amount to show for it. Came close to winning the Indy 500 this past year. Didn't get it done. I think the expectation of that team in 2024 is to go and win a lot of races and be, you know, very much 
in the contention for that championship down the wire and to win the Indy 500. And I think anything less than you know two of those goals is tough. So I'm That's going IndyCar for McLaren IndyCar team. Yeah. Yep. Thoughtful. They yeah. will. So I guess it wasn't the best. Like I'm basically saying they're going to perform compared to expectations because the expectations are lofty. But I think that's the point. Their expectations yeah. are so lofty. They, yeah. I think they can only underperform it. So, uh, all right. Last prediction. We already you basically alluded to what team takes a continued or takes a backwards step. I think it kind of fits. Yeah, we skip that. So that one's redundant. We just skip it. What's something that you are paying attention to that the rest of the racing world isn't in 2024? My sourdough starter. <laughs> what? <laughs> what, you guys, what I'm paying attention to that nobody else isn't. I'm the only one that feeds the sourdough in our house. That's it. Like nobody else pays attention. I said in the motorsports world. Oh. <laughs> <I> said, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. Here's another way to put it. What's the amount of big? body work that's on the What's F1 that? car? I... There you go. Okay. <laughs> I'm big the F1 cars. No, this My, is more of an upcoming um, thing. That... An upcoming thing. I don't. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. What What do you got? I, I'll I'll give mine. Mine is mine's pretty simple. I think the the you know, there's been a lot of enthusiasm about NASCAR's new TV contract, largest motorsport TV contract in history. The you know, the charter stuff is still not done. I think it's still being discussed. Mm-hmm. I think the thing not being discussed is even with the enthusiasm and with the charter discussions, and we've talked about this before, what does that do for the drivers? Is there even any mm. positive effect whatsoever? That is interesting. That is something that nobody's talking about. Chat. No one's talking nobody's about talking it. About but it. At the end of 2024 podcasts like ours will be discussing how everyone's enthusiastic but one core group of of people and it's the drivers because Mm -hmm. no one's been thinking about it this has been fun we're back make sure to like subscribe hit the bell icon on our youtube let us know send us the three friends we're gonna be doing this weekly and we're gonna go do one of those reacts right after this you can see that on youtube landon great job great job back Good show. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Loved it. Love it. Love it. And sorry to Kyle Bush. We ran out of time. Maybe next week. Ah. All right. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Money Lap. As always, check out themoneylap.com for the best five minutes in motorsports or sometimes just the coolest stuff in motorsports. Delivered directly to your inbox three times a week. Check us out on YouTube. We're growing fast over there. And, of course, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. We're all over the Internet. We're spreading the word of how cool motorsports is. Check us out.